Welcome to Judaism Demystified, a podcast for the perplexed. We are joined by Rabbi Nathan Laufer. Rabbi Laufer is former director of Israel Programs for the Tikva Fund, founding director of the Advanced Institute for Judaic Studies at the San Diego Jewish Academy, and founding director of the Partnership for Effective Learning and Innovative Education. Prior to holding these positions, he served as president and CEO of the Wexner Heritage Foundation, in which he is now president emeritus. Rabbi Laufer received his rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva University, his leadership educator certification from Harvard University, and his Juris Doctor from Fordham University, in addition to rendezvous with God, revealing the meaning of the Jewish holidays and their mysterious rituals. He is the author of Leading the Passover Journey, The Seder's Meaning Revealed, The Haggadah Story Retold, and The Genesis of Leadership, What the Bible Teaches Us About Vision, Values, and Leading Change. Without further ado, Rabbi Laufer. Thank you for joining the Judaism Demystified podcast. First of all, we want to say that we're huge fans and um, your book, Rendezvous with God, Bensi has been just raving about it for years. And we we, we read it uh, in shul together a few times and uh, Bensi actually wrote a paper on it. So uh, we're, you know, we're just really honored to have you on. Thank you very much. So we want to know um, about the thesis of your book that you know, all the biblical holidays are part of like, there's a common denominator, which we re- recall the revelation of the divine presence during the time in which you termed the honeymoon phase with God in the first year of the sojourning in the desert. Can you explain what exactly is your thesis? How did you arrive at this thesis? And how did you, uh, what is the methodology you employed in reading the biblical text in regards to the biblical holidays? Okay, try to take that one at a time, okay? So um, in the Torah, if you look at Vayikra Chav Gimel, Leviticus 23, there are seven holidays, seven holy days, okay? That's where holidays come from, holy days. Mikra um, Kodesh, that a parallel, in, in my view, the seven times in the first year, of the Jewish people's existence, that Hashem revealed himself, revealed his presence to the entire Jewish people. Those are the only times in the first year that um, God revealed himself to the people. Uh, Many times Hashem is speaking to Moshe. Sometimes he's speaking to Moshe and Aaron. Sometimes he even speaks to Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. But... um, the only times that he speaks or reveals his presence to the entire Jewish people um, in the first year after they leave Mitzrayim uh, are these seven events that uh, parallel the seven holy days, the seven holidays um, that we have. By the way, what makes a holiday a holiday? Just so we should be clear about our terminology. It's when you don't do work, right? You know, and you always bring a carbon. You always bring a carbon. Okay, so that's what makes a, a, a holiday a holiday. Now, the, the, the argument that, I, that I'm making um, came out of uh, being a high holiday rabbi. 
<laughs> I was a highlighted rabbi in in a modern Orthodox synagogue in Chicago uh, during the 90s and the early 2000s. And in the late 90s, I said, you know, how about doing something, you know, unorthodox in a modern Orthodox congregation? Um, how about if I talk about, you know, the meaning and the significance of all the holidays in the Torah? So I know I started to, to write and I'm looking in the Torah and I realized that there are lacunae, there are holes, big holes in our understanding of the holidays. There are only two holidays um, in which the Torah is telling us why we're celebrating the holidays. One is Pesach and the other is Sukkot. I call those the, the seven-day bookend holidays of, uh, of, of Judaism. Um, but Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and even Shemini Atzeret, which is like the add-on eighth day of Sukkot, there is no indication in the Torah of why we're celebrating them. So I said, huh, that's that's a kind of interesting. I said, well, is that really the case? Can that really be? So I said, well, let me look every time that, let's say, the holiday of Shavuot is mentioned. And in the Torah, uh, Shavuot is the other pilgrimage festivals as well, Pesach and, and Sukkot, but the Shavuot is mentioned a total of five times, okay? Twice in in in, in Shemot, in Exodus, once in Vayikra, Leviticus, once in Bamidbar, uh, Numbers, and once in Devarim, Deuteronomy. In none of the places, none, is there any connection between Shavuot and Matan Torah. Never. Yeah. So I said, well, what, maybe the other way around. And I was, let me go to Matan Torah and see, maybe, you know, like as an aside, it would say, oh, yeah, yeah. And don't forget to, to celebrate the holiday of Shavuot, you know, because that's the day that you'll remember what happened here. Mm -mm, nope. The, the Matan Torah is mentioned twice in some detail, both in, in Sefer Shemot, in Exodus, and, and in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 5. Of, uh, of the Varim. Nothing, nothing about Shavuot. It's funny because in in Dvarim it says, oh, you should always remember, don't forget the day that Hashem, you know, revealed his law to you at, at Sinai, da 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 So you wait and say, oh yeah, yeah, Shavuot, right? Uh, no, not there. Okay, it's not there. So I said, that's very odd. The fact that the Torah doesn't make the connection between Shavuot and Matan Torah, it's not like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, just a little oversight. It's an omission. This mm -hmm. is a big deal. Matan Torah is like everything, you know, everything is based on that. Otherwise, you know, what is this book, right? So it's like, why doesn't the Torah do that? So it seems like it's deliberate. And so it's like, hmm, that's, that's strange. And then I looked at Rosh Hashanah. And I said, Rosh Hashanah, wait, there's no actually, it's never called Rosh Hashanah in the Torah. In fact, you know, it, there are, well, it's only twice that Rosh Hashanah, the holiday is mentioned in the Torah, but not as Rosh Hashanah. It's called either uh, Zichron Truah or Yom Truah, the day of the, the remembering of the Truah, the sounding of, of a Truah which is a, like a staccato sounding of, uh, 
could be of a chauffeur, it could be of uh, uh, or uh, bugles like, yeah. Um, but uh, it's not called Rosh Hashanah. I said, that's really odd. I mean, isn't this the day that God created the world or God created maybe man? That seems maybe more like, like it, but there's no reference to that at all. And then I look closely at, at the text, and it says, Bachodesh Hashvi, Bechod Lachodesh, in both cases of, of, um, of talking about Rosh Hashanah, it's saying it's in the seventh month, on the first day of the seventh month. That cannot be Rosh Hashanah. Okay? And I said, wait a second. That's right, because in the Torah, in, in Sefer Shemot, in chapter 12, Hashem says, you know, Chodesh Hazeh Yelachem Rosh Hadashin Rishon Hu Lachem And what's it talking about? It's not talking about Tishrei. It's talking about Nisan, the month yeah. of Pesach. So the Torah is clear. The counting of Jewish time for the Jewish people begins on the month of Nisan, not the month of Tishrei. I said, well, there's something here. There's something wrong here. Okay. All right. So you asked me about my methodology. How did I come to the conclusions that I did? I came to them because I try to read the text, the Torah text, very carefully. You know, when we say that Hashem gave us the Torah, it means that every word and every sentence and every paragraph and every book is thought through very carefully. There's no extras. There's no um, things that are accidentally put in if you're a believing Jew. I'm not going to get into critical source theory here and so on and so forth. I, I don't actually subscribe to that. So, But I do subscribe to the fact that it's a divine book. Okay? And if it's a divine book, then there are no mistakes. So I start looking very carefully at what the text is telling me. And then the second thing I do is I also look very carefully at the practices that the Torah or the Halakha later on tells us to, to do. Now, what's, what's, what is it that we're supposed to do, let's say, for the holidays on each of the holidays? So this is actually called, there's a term for this in academic parlance, it's called semiotics. In other words, um, you, you look at signs and symbols or, or actions and you interpret them. In other words, you say it's not, they're not just uh, behavioralistic kind of things. You know, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll build a sukkah or we'll, you know, we'll wave a lulavinetrog and uh, we'll eat cheesecake, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, you know, eat matzah. I mean, there are reasons that we do what we do. Again, this goes back to the understanding of the Torah as a divine document. Okay, God doesn't make us act like robots. God is trying to appeal to our, our brains, our hearts, our neshama, and is trying to evoke something there. And to understand what God is trying to evoke is part of what I think it means to really be, you know, a believing, observant Jew. Okay, this is, this is how I see things. So I'm looking carefully at the Torah text. And I'm also looking carefully 
at the halachot, the rituals that we have, the liturgy that we have, what, what do we say? We, we say certain things. Chazal understood that, that it's not enough to just do things. We always say something with what we do, right? You know, if we take a, we take a lulav, we say a bracha before we take the lulav and, and shake it, right? If we build, uh, um, if um, we, we're, we're going to celebrate Yisiat uh, Mitzrayim, so we have a whole story. We have the whole Haggadah that is going to explain what it is that we're doing, right? So the words and of Chaz, that Chazal gave us um, are also have to connect into somehow what it is that we're doing, what it is that we're commemorating. It's all one. When we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, means there's one author in the world, one author of the Torah, one author of history, one author of nature, uh, one author of our story. It's all one. Okay, so, so, so that's so my methodology. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so you're okay. So you you noticed the uh, incon not inconsistencies. That's probably a bad word, but the um, uh, information that's left out for us, maybe in terms of yeah. of the Torah, right? The Torah is not yeah. you know doesn't fill in all the blanks. So uh, at first glance, you have to you have to you have to dig a little bit more in, right, to be able to to extract uh, some of the key key elements. And then you also used um, the Talmud, the rabbis, the minhagim that has sort of uh, over time evolved within the people. And you're kind of putting these together and, and kind of forming this, this whole entire new theory that you're forming. That's correct. That's exactly correct. And um, that's, that's how I came ultimately to the thesis that I have, which is I said, you know what? There are seven, there are seven times that there was Gilu Shechina, the re revelation of the divine presence to the Jewish people in their first year. Last you said, I call that the honeymoon year of the Jewish people. It's not really, actually, it's not so much mine. It's 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 the Prophet Yirmiyahu. Lechtecha harai bamidbar ve'eretz lo zarua, right? Zachati lach hesedu raich ahavat kelul lo tayach. Kelul lo tayach is a honeymoon year. I mean, that's yeah. what it is, right? You were my bride, all right? So the Jewish people were Hashem's bride. And we followed God into, into the desert, right? And, and that took place in the first year. And it goes mamash from Rosh Chodesh Nisan to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, right? God says we start Jewish time uh, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And the first year ends with Hanukkah Tamizbeach, with the, um, the bringing of the offerings on the Mizbeach. On Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Torah makes sure that you don't miss that. It says it three different times in three different places. Okay, okay. So we know it goes from Rosh Chodesh Nisan to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and and then I realized that it not only reflects, you know, seven seven Gilushchinas are seven holidays, but they go in order, and that's a big chiddush. That's the big chiddush. Yeah, that's a big chiddush because then you realize, wait a second. Then there's 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 a gilu shechina when Hashem brings the man. What is the holiday that uh, commemorates that? And you say, oh, man. Hmm. There's this word that appears in the relationship to the man over and over again. That's the word Omer. Oh, we have a holiday that begins with the bringing of the Omer, the counting of the Omer. And then the bringing of the Shtei Halechem, which is 
just another form of the Omer, actually. It's it's two Omers. That's that's what it is. Right? You bring two Omers. Okay, so you say, wait a second. I know that story. That's the story of the man, exactly. You know, God gave us an Omer of man for every, it says, according, according to the count of each person. Right? Hashem made sure there was exactly one Omer of Man for every single person. Okay? So God was counting. And then on, on Yom Shishi, God gave us two Omers. <laughs> we got double. Right? Okay. So it was like, wow. so maybe, maybe the bringing of the Omer and the counting of the Omer and the bringing of the two Omers of the Shteh HaLechem, which is Shavuot, Maybe that's what it's commemorating. And that's why, you know, the Torah never makes a connection between uh, Matan Torah and Shavuot. Now, again, I can't say that I that I came to this all by myself. It's not entirely true because the Abarvanel also noticed the, the lacunae, the fact that Shavuot and Matan Torah are not linked. And he says, you know, it could be that Matan Torah took place around Shavuot. But that's not what the holiday is about. It's about notein lechem lechol basar ki leolam chasto. Okay, as as as, as it says in Tehillim, you know, kof lamidvav. Okay, God provides food for every for every creature. All right. Oh, that's what the man was. Okay, so you know, I realized that. Then I also, you know, I read Rav, Rav Shamsun Rufol Hirsch. Um, Sam Shamsun Rufol Hirsch says. Yeah, yeah, you know, Shavuos is actually not Kabbalata Torah. Yeah, no, no, it's not. Because, you know, it, what it really was, was that we got ready to get the Torah. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was like, which is, you know, basically it's the Kabbalistic understanding of all of, of the counting of the Omer. That, you know, we have to go from Tuma to, to Kedusha. And, right. and we have to get us. So that's what Shavuos, Shavuos is, is that we were finally ready. Okay, well, that means that it's not quite that. All right, there, so there were a number of clues. And, and of course, uh, the Gemara, um, we hold, a, like Rav Yossi, that actually Matan Torah is not on Vav Sivan, which is what they, we, we celebrate uh, Shavuot certainly in Israel, uh, but on Zion Sivan. Now, if you're in the diaspora, do catch, do catch it because you get it on the second day. But... Um, we we pass in that way. The Magen of Ram says that that's that's what we hold. Okay, so then hmm, it, it it's possible then that in the Torah, seeing uh, what Chazal then then did with it, but in the Torah, Shavuos was about the revelation of Hashem's presence to the Jewish people, is giving them the man and his counting of the people so that every person had exactly one Omer and had two Omers on Arab Shabbos so they wouldn't have to co- collect on Shabbos and so on and so forth. I, I make the case in, in in the book, The Rendezvous with God. Two things, two things I wanted to I wanted to mention. One, um, from what you're saying over here, it seems like you had to make that first initial discovery of um, the seven Gilush Chinot with the seven Moadim. Yes. And then as that, once that that came about from the biblical aspect, you, things sort of fell into place just by observations. 
So it just it just started to form within itself once you had that criteria already done in the beginning. Um, I would imagine that the more creative or even the more difficult part would be how do you transition from the biblical to the rabbinical? That that is where you have to induce a, a sense of creativity. Um, yeah, I mean, sounds yeah. just right. Okay, and then um, I wanted to also say the idea that each one of the moadim is coming to commemorate a specific gilui in that first year is not, it's actually in line with the fact that the most, uh, the, the most uh, talked about, um, repeated, or, or brings us back to a point in the entire Torah is Chorev uh, Harsinai, that we receive the Torah. The Torah, I think it's over 20 times, if I'm not mistaken, if not more, maybe there, there has to be, there's like, multiple multiple times throughout the torah after matan torah that the torah is calling us back to matan torah calling us back to matan torah what i'm trying to say is the idea of trying to take the, the gilui of hashem and to try to incorporate it into our collective consciousness is is literally what the torah is trying to do so for it to extend into the moadim right and to take maybe the more miniature uh, Giluim that happened uh, during that year versus maybe the grand one of Matan Torah specifically would, I'm sorry about the lighting issue, would, um, in, the way I see it, it's actually really consistent with what the Torah is trying to do in general. There's the main revelation at Har Sinai, which is constantly echoed and called, we, we're called back to remember. And then you would have these smaller Giluim that's going on throughout that first year, which is has its place every single year that we're meant to also you know, uh, induce into our collective consciousness. That is that kind of how you would put it, or am I? Um, I I don't know that I would go there completely because since one of the points that I I, I I make, I may do it actually only in a footnote, but um, is that it's true that Matan Torah is the only place that God speaks to the whole people. Okay, that makes it unique. Yeah, but. This, the other the other gilu shchinas were not small gilu shchinas. Okay. Um, let me tell you what they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you'll see why. Right, Yitziat Mitzrayim, the night of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Okay, that's not a small that's not a small gilu shchina. That is a big gilu shchina, and we even say it by the way in the Haggadah. We say Uvumoragadol. Right, ze gilu shchina. Right, that's that's what how Chazal how Chazal interpreted. Okay, so it was huge. And actually, it could be, I, I never counted how many times the Torah refers back to Matan Torah, to Mahmoud Harsinai. But I, I, I believe that Zechel Yitziat Mitzrayim, that Yitziat Mitzrayim is referenced, I believe, 36 times in the Torah. So it's it's a biggie, okay? Right. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I, my wording made it look like major and minor, and I, if I that, okay. Now, right. my main point was was yeah. that trying to uh, trying to have the revelations that God gave us um, put into our collective consciousness via right. Moadim, via however the Torah tells us to do it, reading the Torah. Well, that that seems to be the main way that the Torah operates in general. That is mm -hmm. that is the whole point is to is to have these revelations stay with us eternally. So yeah. when you came up with that theory of the Muadim mirroring all the different Giluim, I, I just thought from a biblical perspective, it fits like a glove as well. It makes yeah. sense. It's it's what the Torah is trying to do in general. Throughout the whole Torah, it's about 
you know, bringing these revelations and, and, and having it stick with the people, you know? So I just wanted to say that that's all. And then wanted to get into, uh, God willing, the second point, which is, which is the main point in Rosh Hashanah is coming up. We wanted to know, um, if you can develop your theory of Rosh Hashanah for us based on the introduction that you just gave, um, obviously based on all the elements that you just described in terms of how you go about looking at the biblical holidays, um, the idea of um, Rosh Hashanah being the, the, the day of creation um, is, is, is not exactly of the direction that you're going to take it. And if you can develop exactly um, your theory of Rosh Hashanah from the biblical perspective and how it evolved into the rabbinical uh, the, the rabbinical positions and how it all comes together, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. So, um, so I, I mentioned before that the the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah not Rosh Hashanah but Zichron Trua, the remembrance of the Trua. And I said that a Trua can be is the sounding of could be of a horn, could be of of a chauffeur, all right? And that we see we see what a Trua is from something in Bamidbar and Perak Yud uh, when he talks about making Chatzot's throat and making horns. Uh, that we used in the Mikdash, that um, they were used, there were two kinds of sounds that were made. The trua was this, a staccato sound. We don't know what exactly that means, and the Chazal tried to figure that out. Uh, and then the tekiya, which is a long sound, um, is, is the other kind of sound. And they had different functions. The staccato sound was when they... When, Hash, when the Moshe Hashem wanted to move the encampment, they wanted the people to move from where they were somewhere else, um, so they'd be a trua. And if he wanted to gather the people around, so then there would be a tekiah. Okay, that's what it says in, in Bamidbar, in Perikyot of Bamidbar. So I said, Zichron trua, huh? Huh? Could be any, and did we have any chatzot's road um, before? Um, the, those words Zichron Trua appear, which is in Perikhov Gimel of, of uh, Sefer Vayikra. No, no, no Chatzot wrote, so I can't can't use that. How about Shofar? Is there a Shofar? Oh yeah, but only once. Shofar is mentioned only once. When? Oh, with Mamad Har Sinai. In fact, it's not only it's mentioned only there, but it's mentioned three times. Huh. Three times it, it tells us that there was a kol shofar, kol shofar chazak me'od, you know, and, and, and the people heard the kol shofar, and, you know, it's like, wow, three times, huh? Huh. So if that, if it's telling us that we have to blow a trua, and the only thing that would blow a trua that we have mention of is at Mamar Har Sinai, then could it be that Rosh Hashanah is actually a remembrance of Mamar Har Sinai? Huh. I don't know. Maybe. I said, hmm. So that would that would mean that um, I wonder if like that the, the fact that it's three times would show up somewhere in the halacha. And of course, it shows up immediately because the halacha is that what is the minimal number of sounds that have to be made? You have to have a minimum of three truot. Okay? Even though it's strange because the word 
Trua, in reference to Rosh Hashanah, only appears twice, once in Vayikra, once in Bamidbar. So Chazal went, you know, looking for another word, Trua, oh, in Yovel, that also takes place in Tishrei, because uh, it takes place in Yom Kippur. So they're all, the Truas are together, so we have three. Okay, fine. So, you know, it's a funny thing. We have three different sounds that we make with the shofar, right? We have a tekiah, a shavarim, and a trua. Oh, okay. Well, that's because we didn't know what a trua is. So we said, well, maybe it's a shavarim, maybe it's a trua. We're not really sure, so we'll have three. Okay, that's fine. And then it's like, oh, whenever you blow the shofar, you do it in threes, right? There's always three three times that you're blowing. And then, oh, and then you blow before Musaf, you blow during Musaf, and you blow after Musaf. That's threes. And then in Musaf, in Musaf itself, you have three blowings, right? You have Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shafrut. It's like, this cannot be a coincidence, okay? The fact that the word Shofar, not only the word Shofar, the, the words... Kol Shofar appear three times um, in in the Mamar Har Sinai means come on, <laughs> right? And what's the bracha that we make? What did Chahar Chazal formulate the bracha? Did they, did they say um, you know Baruch Atashem Hashem Tzavos Vayzivetzivano Let Koab Shofar? You would think, right, to, to blow the shofar. Mm-mm. Nope, that's not the bracha. It's Lishmoa Kol Shofar. It's to hear the sound of the shofar, exactly the words that appear at Mamar Har Sinai. Right, you guys still hearing me? Yeah, yeah, we hear you. We hear you. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, wow, that's that's very interesting. And if you look in in, in, in Sefer Dvarim, and uh, where it talks about Mamar Har Sinai. Yeah. So it says, wow, that what what did you hear at Mamar Harsina? You didn't see any images. You only heard the call. Okay, so the word call is very important. Okay, that's what you heard, call. Okay, well, that's interesting. I said, well, let, let's let's look, you know, chauffeur. So this is, you know, one third of the Amida is called chauffeur road. So let's look at Shofar Rot and let's see if it mentions anything about Mamar Har Sinai. Whoa, it doesn't only mention Mamar Har Sinai, it gives the whole description of what took place at Mamar Har Sinai. That's the central text of Shofar Rot. Hmm, interesting, I said. Wow. Okay, so I guess, yeah. Uh, and 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 so why would we have a chauffeur at Mamad Har Sinai? Why was the chauffeur blowing? And why were there other kolot? You know, the Torah test says that there were kolot of Rakim. There was there was thunder and lightning, thunder kolot. Hmm. And then it says that you know right before at the Aseret Debrot, it says Moshe Yidaber Voha Elohim. God responded with a call. Huh, call. And that's all that Moshe tells the Jewish people that they should remember from Har Sinai, the call. So the call means three things. It means the call ha-shofar. 
it means the call of Hashem. Hashem is answering Moshe. And it means the kolot, the thunder, the, the fact that the whole place is shaking, the people are trembling. Wow, I said, that sounds like Rosh Hashanah already. People trembling, people in awe. It's like, well, this can't be about the birthday of the world. Because, in you know, on birthdays, you celebrate, you're happy, <laughs> you know. You're not, you're not sittering, you're not trembling, okay? But the Jewish people are trembling on Rosh Hashanah because it's Yom Hadin. It's the day of judgment. I said, Yom HaDin. Oh. Din. Uh, the law. It's a day of the law. It's a day that we're judged. But how are we judged? I guess you have to have, like, laws in order to be judged by them. Right? Because otherwise, you know, how can God judge you? You know, he's, oh, you're supposed to know all the laws by heart. No, no. You, you have to be told what the laws are. And then you... You're, you're seeing, you know, God says, okay, did you keep my laws? Did you not keep my laws? Okay? Right? So, you know, looking at all that, I said, okay, it's it's abundantly clear that Hazal saw this too. And that they that even though there are a couple of lines, that's all, that's all there is, a couple of lines in the liturgy, in the master of Rosh Hashanah, that seem to indicate that it's that it's about creation or that it mentions creation, okay? Nevertheless, that's not the significance of the day. The significance of the day is Kabbalat ol Malchut Shamayim. It's the accepting of God's kingship over us, okay? This is what Rosh Hashanah really is. And even those those two things, there are t- twice it's the, there's a mention of creation, Um um, so, so one of them is in Zechronot. It says, "Zeha yom tchilat masecha, zikaron liyom rishon." Okay, so it's like, oh, so that's this is the day that you know masecha that things were that you know God did stuff right, um, and it's the remembrance of of the first day. There's only one thing: the first day is not called yom rishon in the Torah. The first day of creation. It's called Yom Echad. Yeah. Okay? You know when Yom Rishon appears? On Rosh Chodesh Nisan, actually. It's in, in the first Nidava um, uh, of Nachshon ben Aminadav of Shevet Yehuda, right? On the first day on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it says, Vayihi Bayom Rishon. Okay? So if we're remembering the first day, the first day of really of, of, of God, of of what God wanted to accomplish in the world um, actually was on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, um, and then the other the other words that is uh, um, is is right after the blowing of the shofar. So you have um, let me just pull out what it is so that I, I say it correctly. All right, um, let's see, uh, let's see. Hayom harat olam, Hayom harat olam, Hayom yamit namishpat kol yisrael olamim. Right, we say that right after the blowing of the shofar during the amida, during during the sefer, uh, in 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 the chazara sashas. So, what does harat mean? Harat comes from the word hirayom, right? So, so and Rabbeinu Tam is one of the Tosafos, maybe the most famous Tosafos. Right, so he says, yeah, what 
what what happened on Rosh Chodesh, on, on Rosh Chodesh Tishrei is that God had it in mind that he wanted to create the world, okay? He conceived of it, that's the word. Just as a child is conceived, he said, but the world wasn't created really until Rosh Chodesh Nisan because we passed it actually like Rabbi Yoshua, not like... Um, not, not like Rabbi Eliezer, who, who said that the world's created on, on, on Rosh Chodesh Tishrei. Okay, so there, these are throwaways. These are, it's not, it's not, it's not like definitive proof that this is the creation of the world. It's not the creation of man, and all the other evidence points in the direction that it's talking about. Um, it's talking about Mamad Har Sinai. Okay, okay, so. Why are we coronating God? For two reasons. One is we want to accept God as king. That's really what it means when, and, and, when you know, Hashem says to Moshe, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, um, um, he says, if im tishmu bekoli briti, if you listen to my voice, again, the word kol, and you keep my covenant, okay? We'll see what the covenant is in a second, right? Then, then you'll be my treasured people. And then what will you be? Then you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy people to me, okay? We're going to be God's kingdom, which means... What God was saying is, I want to be your king. And the Mechilta says that specifically on the first uh, verse of the of the Sarasa Dibros. He says, It says, Why didn't God say, I'm the creator of the world? You know, it's like more impressive than just taking you out of Egypt, right? So he says, <laughs> No. He says, You know, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, a guy comes comes riding into town on a, on a, on a white stallion and he says, I'm, I, you know, I want to rule over you. And and the people say, yeah, what have you done for us lately? You know, so he says, so so he does stuff. He builds things for them. He gives them get, gets them a water supply, a food supply, da da da. Then he says, now I want to be your ruler. He said, oh, now you want to be our ruler? Beseda, okay, you did good stuff for us, so you can rule over us. All right. So this was this is uh, I took you out of Mitzrayim. I took you out of Mitzrayim, so then I can. You know, I, I I can be your king. Right? That's how the Mechilta understood it. And actually, that also pointed me in the direction of of saying, you know, that Rosh Hashanah cannot be about creation. Why? Because on Shabbos, which is partially about creation, right? We say when we say Kiddush, we say make the day holy. We say this is what makes this day special. We say two things make it special. One is that it's zikaron lemasei breshit, and second that it's zechel itziat nitzrayim. Yeah. Well, if Rosh Hashanah is about remembering creation, so what should you say in Kiddush? You should say zechel lemasei breshit. But you don't say that at all. It's not like on Shabbos. On Rosh Hashanah, you just say zechel itziat nitzrayim. So it has something to do with Yes. I remember when I reached this juncture in the chapter, that's when I like jumped in my seat for a second. I'm like, whoa, wait, you're right. Like, wow. Like, like it's not even the liturgy. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of the the, the Kiddush. And, 
like we're saying, Zechel is a Mitzrayim on Rosh Hashanah. How does that make any sense? I, when I reached that juncture, I remember I just, it, it made me pause and like, you know, it, it, it hit me. So yeah, go on. I just wanted to. Yeah, no, so, and it's not just in Kiddush. Of course, in, in, in every Amida that we, that we dive in, yes. we always, always say, Zechel it's Mitzrayim, Zechel it's Mitzrayim. So it has something to do with that year of the Exodus from Egypt. The year after we, we left Egypt, that's what we, we keep saying. We talk about, let's say, Sukkot. So we say, Zechel Yitziat Mitzrayim, all right? Because, you know, that's what God says. He says, why should you sit in Sukkot? Because I caused the Jewish people to, to live in Sukkot, whatever that means. You know, that's another chapter in the book, right? When I took them out of Egypt. You know, Sukkot is part of that whole you know, continuum of leaving Egypt. I said, I said, wow, forget about creation. That isn't the significance of the day. It has something to do with the Tziat Mitzrayim. Another thing in the liturgy that 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 pointed me in this direction. You know, in, in Pirkei Avot, it says, uh, chapter five, I think it's the first Mishnah in chapter five, Basara Ma'amarot Nivraha Olam. The world was created with 10 Ma'amarot, Amar, Amar. Why? Why does it say Mamarot? Why did he use that term? Because it always says, if you look at, at chapter one of Sefer Breshit of creation, it says Vayomer Hashem, Yehior, Vayior. Okay, Vayomer Hashem, Vayomer Hashem, Vayomer Hashem. It's always Hashem said. It never says Vayidaber Hashem. Never. Okay, but there's something very strange. In the Khatima of, of, of the Amida, of the Haftorah that we say on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, we end with the words, Udvarcha emet bekayam la'ad. Now, if you want to say that, you know, God's uh, creation is true and exists forever, you would say, Vamiratcha emet. Divarcha emet is dibor. What is a dibor? Or it's the state of God. And what, of course, is, you know, what God told us on, at Har Sinai, the Aseret Hadibrot, Aseret Hadivarim. So when we say, what does it mean? It means it's God's word, God's covenant with us, because that's what the Aseret Hadibrot were. The Aseret Hadibrot was, here is the basic foundation of what's of Judaism going forward. Everything else you can learn out of the Aseret Hadvarim. Rav Sadiagon already made that case. Other people have made the case. I, I it doesn't. I, I'm not the one to have to prove that. So, so Sadiagon made the case that the Aseret Hadibrot are basically they're like the Av the Av Malachot of Shabbat. They're the basic framework uh, of of uh, all of Judaism of all the Tariag Mitzvot that follow. Okay, so again, I, I'm not going to belabor the point, um, but that's how Hazal structured the whole Amida. It said Shofrot, yes, Shofrot is the coronation, but it's Malchuyot. We're coronating God because we're accepting God as King, right? And and we are accepting um, also Zichronot, which are the Brit with Hashem. Okay. And also the what fact is the, that uh, I think the fact that Chazal, you know, we we call 
we call it Yamim Noraim, the days of yeah. awe. You know, the yeah. awe part, which relates to what you were talking about with the, you know, thunder at Anar Sinai, that makes sure. intuitively, that makes a lot more sense than just Adam Harishon, you know, that to me, this, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, the, tr the truth is that kingship itself is a political term, right? I mean, you're not a king over nobody. Okay, so Hashem created Adam Arishon. So what? So he's he's, a, he's Adam's king. It doesn't make sense when you have a whole polity, right? I mean, when we had Avram, Hashem didn't give the Torah to Avram. He didn't give it to Yitzchak. He didn't give it to Yaakov. He didn't even give it to the Aseret Hashvatim. It's only when the Jewish people became Am B'nei Yisrael, right? He named Am B'nei Yisrael. That's how Paro understood them, that they finally became a people. The God said, whoop, we have to now, you know, give them a law because... Otherwise, they won't be able to govern themselves. Otherwise, they'll become just like Egypt. And that that's not a very good model for my people. I want these people to be a special people, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And so may I add, may I add, you were mentioning how um, the greatness of God in terms of creation versus Yitzhak uh, Mitzrayim and forming us into a nation. Um, and you were so... You were saying how Yitzhak Mitzrayim is is in a sense like more, uh, it, it, it's like a greater point. And I just wanted to say that creation, right, is an act of will of God, whatever that would mean. But it's an act of will of, of, of Hashem and, and, and he creates. But to form a covenant with a people where the people are freely choosing to accept this covenant with Hashem, that yes. is in a sense more impressive than creation. Because here it's not just Hashem doing what's in His uh, power to do, right? right. But the 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 um, formation of a pact with a nation that they are choosing to enter on their own volition, which is which is an incredible thing that that Hashem would have accomplished, as opposed to just creation. I just wanted to add that point. I don't know if it's sure. No, for sure. I mean, listen, I don't want to belittle creation. Has for yes. sure, okay. I every Shabbos, you know, I'm celebrating creation. Also, it's Yad Mitzrayim, but you know, it's it's you know our our ability to have this conversation, our ability to breathe, to live, is is right. all because of Chesed Hashem. Yes. So please, you know, but. But uh, it, you know, it's not accidental that at at Mamar Har Sinai, Moshe brings Hashem's proposal to the people, and they say, "Kol Hashem Right? They accept, and that acceptance is is why you have a covenant. Okay? Because if the people don't accept, then there's no deal. So once the people accept, that's um, yes. That's the covenant, okay? There are a couple of other things that, you know, point to the fact that, you know, the Aserat HaDibro play a major role. And you see it again in the liturgy, in, in the Machzer. You know, if you look at, at Malchut Yotzechronot and Shofrot, those three parts of the of the Musaf Amida, which are the themes of the day, okay? Each one is proven with 10 proof texts, okay? What's a proof text? A proof text is something, some Pasuk, from first from the Torah, then from the Vim, then from Ketuvim. And then the tenth where there's like three, 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 and then one more from, from the from the Torah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you see that 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 the Aseret Hadvarim was important. When you look at the Machzer of Shofrot, you'll see that the word kol in in various forms, whether it's kol of Hashem or kol Ashofar 
or the kolot appear exactly 10 times. Why 10 times? Because it's trying to reflect the aseret hadvarim, the aseret hadibrot. Okay, and it's again, it's 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 signaling to us. It's it's telling us, pay attention, pay attention. We're we're going to accept the aseret hadvarim. We're going to accept the Brit with Hashem. So it's it's pretty clear that the Machzor understood um, that this is what. Um, Rosh Hashanah is about. We also have certain customs that we do, right? You know, before before uh, Rosh Hashanah, we have the minute of going to mikvah, right? Why do we go to a mikvah? Why do we wear a kittel? A white, a, no, clean white robe. Why? Okay, we do this because the Torah says before before Hashem was going to show up, he, uh, Moshe told, told, told the people, you know, you have to go and wash your clothes and 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 the Chazal said, well, of course, they washed their clothes. They had to go into the mikvah too to wash themselves and be ready to be, you know, mekabel pnei Okay, you can't just, you know, uh, come in schlumpy to to meet, to meet God, right? You have to be ready. Okay, so you know, you, you have um, those kind of things too. You you have the, you know, a lot of times you ask um, children, what's the most important part of Rosh Hashanah? Oh, we dipped the apple in the honey, right? <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. But you know, there's something there. Why, why do you dip an apple in honey? Why do you dip your challah in honey? Why? Okay, because right. Why, why do you eat matzah on Pesach? Let's go back. When uh, uh, you know to remember, uh, to remember the matzot that we made when we were leaving Egypt. Nachon? Okay, matzah we made. Fine when we left Egypt. So what were the Jewish people eating when they got to Har Sinai? Nisama still matzah? I don't know. Oh, man. No. Because the man begins, they run out of food. After 30 days, yes, they yes, run yes. out of food. And they come to Moshe and they say, we don't have anything to eat. We're going to starve. All right. So Moshe says, calm down. Let me speak to God. You know, and Hashem comes and says, don't worry, taking care of it. Okay, and the Torah tells us what what did man look like and what did it taste like, right? Like wafers and honey, all right. So it was white, right? Okay, lavan and 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 like wafers and honey. So what do we do? We take sweet things and dip it in honey, all right. So that's what we're eating. That's what we eat on Rosh Hashanah because that's what the Jewish people were eating at Mamar Harsinai. I mean, that's just crazy. It's crazy, right? <laughs> okay. So, listen. So, you know, I try to make the case in the book through all the different pieces um, as to why, you know, I think that this is the real significance of the day. I also think that's the reason that people... Um, you know, even non-observant Jews, a lot of them come to Shul on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Why do they come on Rosh Hashanah? I think it's like the part of the collective unconscious of the Jewish people. Yes. That we, there's a part of us, some nitzots of our neshamot, that know that we're standing before God, going to accept God's kingship. We're not, a lot of people not conscious of this, but this is the emes. And that's why they stand before, before you know, the Kiat Shofar, 
it's standing to care so far because the Jewish people stood before Har Sinai when Hashem revealed Himself, and they're all standing waiting to hear the shofar, the call Hashem, okay, the call of 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 Zichronot, of of our Brit. Again, we're not conscious of it, but we need to bring it back into consciousness. This yes. is this is the argument in my book. It's like. It's fine if you want to believe that the God that created the world on, on Rosh Hashanah. Just there, there, good. It's Al's, Al's fine. It's just not what Rosh Hashanah is meant to commemorate, and it's not the significance of the day. And if you think of what what God wants us to remember, it's Mamad Har Sinai on Rosh Hashanah. Shabbos creation. <laughs> yes. I have two questions. Yeah. You make the point based on the different. Um... Minagim uh, that come about through the day, or uh, or even in terms of the liturgy that the sages uh, enacted for us to read, and different uh, points within Chazal, which point to Chazal being aware of the um, ultimate point of Rosh Hashanah. Yet, with that, um, this whole idea of Briat Olam crept in. How do you understand yeah. that point? Why yeah. do you think the Chachamim just... if? If they knew of it, which is sort of implied based on certain um, points that you've made, then yeah. why has this gone, you know, in a sense, undetected or undiscovered or, or you know, under the cracks? Yeah. And formed into Briat Olam all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. So so that's a, that question that I asked towards the end of the chapter on Rosh Hashanah. And this is, I, I can only speculate. I, I don't know. I can't get into the mind of Chazal completely to know what happened, why they did what they did. But this is this is my my guess. My my first guess. I have two two theories. One one theory is that it happened actually because of Shavuos. What is what I mean by that? What happened was the Jewish people were uh, the Beit Hamikdash was destroyed um, in seventy um, of the Common Era, and the Jewish people had no place to bring Shteyalechem anymore. And the Jewish people were exiled. Most of the people were exiled. So they weren't growing anything in Eretz Yisrael anymore. So what are you going to bring Shteyalechem of? This, so Shavuos was in danger of becoming extinct. Mm. It was an endangered species. <laughs> okay. Holiday species. So Chazal had to figure out some way of making it a substantive holiday. It's in the Torah. Okay, God wants us to do it. If it, if it's meaningless, people won't won't keep it. As it is, people hardly keep Shavuos. They were not from. Okay, okay. So they said, all right. You know, the Torah says that we cut to to Har Sinai in the third month in Sivan. Okay, and if you count the days, you know it's somewhere in towards the beginning of the month. All right. And again, like I said, Rav Yossi holds it the seventh day, and we keep Shavuos on the sixth day. But besides that, so they said, you know what? It's man matan Torah tenu. It's a time that God gave us the Torah. Uh, we didn't actually receive it because, right? We never got the, the luchot because yes. Moshe broke them. Okay, we only got the second luchot, which comes in Tishrei. Okay, but um, you know, but it's man matan Torah tenu. you know, the Jews were in exile then. So now the Jews are in exile too, Chazal said. So this is something that they can appreciate, will celebrate, that Hashem gave us the Torah at least. He revealed himself. 
on Shavuot, so let's make that the holiday of Matan Tarakainu. Well, but if you do that, <laughs> so then you've emptied some, you know, the main part of the content of Rosh Hashanah. So he said, okay, you know, what we'll do there is we'll, we'll, we'll emphasize what Rabbi Eliezer said that we have as a tradition that the world was created. Obviously, it was a tradition because how do you know? <laughs> Nobody was there to tell you the tradition except, you know, you heard it, uh, he had a tradition that the world was created on Tishrei. So let's make that. It's not a small thing. We have no. Shabbat every week. It's like a big deal. So we'll say the world was created. Okay. So that's one, that's my speculation. And I call this like, you know, kind of, uh, uh, it, it's a derivative. It's a derivative thing. Rosh Hashanah became about creation because Shavuot had to be about Atan Torah. Because we, had to, we had to save it. The second thing that I am looking at um, is the the cumulative impact and threat that Christianity posed to Judaism um, in the first centuries of the Common Era. You know, it's a very interesting thing, actually. If you look in in, in Mesech Megillah, uh, I think it's Lamed Omed Bet and Lamed Aleph Omed Aleph, it tells you, the Mishnah says, tells you what you're supposed to read on Rosh Hashanah. What what um, what Torah portions you read, and what does it say you should read? It says well, you should read, um, you know, the thing from Vayikra about it being Zichron Trua. That's it. You know, you read those three psukim before psukim finish. That's it. That's that's what you read in Rosh Hashanah. And then, so then the Gemara comes afterwards and says, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, that's true, but. Um, Others say that you read Vashem Pakadasara. And now that we have two two days because we're in Galut, so then uh, we also read, and then the second day we'll read about the Akedah. Okay? So it's like the Mishnah didn't have any problem with the original Masorah. And Shavuos, by the way, you didn't read about Matan Torah. In the Mishnah, you read uh, Shiva Shavos Tishpolach from, from chapter 15, 16 in, in Devarim, that you count seven weeks. You know, so it's, it's like the story of the Omer. So, you know, it, the Mishnah, which is, let's say, edited around 200 of the Common Era, they still didn't, they were still fine with the traditional understanding. But by the time you get to the Gemara, which is later, certainly the editing of the Gemara, which is much later, 450, 550, according to some even later than that. So then you have a problem because Christianity has become now the religion of the Roman Empire. And it was very difficult to be Jewish. Mm. And, you know, and part of the attack that Christianity posed to Judaism is, is you're so parochial. You're so particularistic. You know, you don't you don't care about the you know rest of humanity. This does this sound familiar? Okay, you know you have to be inclusive, and 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 you know, every, every and you have to have equity and equality, and you know and you guys just think you're so special. Okay, so Chazal in 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 this understanding, we're saying, can we take one of the seven holidays and give it a more universalistic patina? 
Patina. It doesn't change anything. We're not changing Shofarot, what it says about Matan Torah. We're not changing Malchiot. We're not changing Zechronot. Okay? But we're, you know, we're going to give it a, a, like an overlay that makes it more acceptable that can compete. Okay? That polemically can compete with the power uh, of, of Christianity in the world. So, if that's correct, and I have no idea, um, then it would make sense that they they would move to giving Rosh Hashanah this creation motif uh, more so than uh, and 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 the Jewish people would adapt it because you know we were threatened people. Okay, so I mean, what it just shows is that Chazal had tremendous power, that they had tremendous influence. It's not only power; they had tremendous influence over over Am Yisrael. And where they thought that you should go is where the people went, which is a great credit to, to, to Am Yisrael. Um, that's how I see it. So, you know, I mean, I'm fine. I read children's books to, to my grandchildren and, you know, talking about the create, you know, the birthday of the world and we have a cake and all the, you know, things, you know, in the books. And so it's all nice. It's all good. It just, you know, when you grow up and you become mature adults and mature Jews, then you need to pull away, you know, the things that you learned as, as a child. Not that that's wrong. It's just not what's, you know, really the, the weight of the holiday. And the weight of the holiday, again, is I think that we're meant to remember Zichron Shua. We're supposed to remember Mamad Harsinai and Rosh Hashanah. We're supposed to re-experience it. We experience the dread, the awe. Um, it's not, but it's not only negative. I, I want to say that too. Um, the, w- one other proof that this is actually where Rosh Hashanah is comes from Sefer Nehemiah. Um, in the eighth chapter of Sefer Nehemiah, he tells us an amazing story. He says that on the first day of the seventh month, yes, Rosh Hashanah, um, they built. Um, a, a podium, a big podium, and Ezra Sofer got up, gathered all the people, men, women, children, everybody's gathered, and he re- read the Torah of Moshe. And the people listening, and they bow down, and they start to cry because they hear what all the laws are, and it's like, oh my gosh. We've not kept the Torah for a long time. And so so Ezra says to them, listen, don't cry. Go home. Hashem accepts you. Have a nice meal. So and come back tomorrow. So they come back tomorrow and he reads to them about Sukkot. They didn't know about Sukkot. People, all the people who came back from from Buffalo didn't know about Sukkot. Do you imagine this? So, so he says, okay, this is what you should do. You need to go, go and, and start to collect the things that you can make your sukkah from. Okay, and a lot of the things that he says it actually sounds like the Dalad Minim, you know, the fourth. But whatever. Um, and and he says, and and you, we're going to celebrate the thing. So don't don't be sad because you know you have a we have a good God. That's basically it. So, you know, Rosh Hashanah 
it's true that there's an awesomeness, but afterwards we go home and we have brisket. Right? We have we have nice meals. We it's a family holiday. A lot of you know our our, our family comes together. We're with together with our community, and there's a comfort in that. So it's true that Hashem gave us the Torah. The Torah is you know pretty serious thing, um, but instead of seeing it as just you know something that God judges us in a negative way, it's also um, the way that God wants us to be able to live our best lives. And there's a reason that Yom Kippur comes 10 days later. You know, in the Chidushe Haran, the Ran says, yeah, Hashem was going to forgive us on Yom Kippur. So therefore, he made Rosh Hashanah 10 days before so that we would have time to do tshuva and then we would be, we would accept Hashem's, Hashem's uh, kingship and Hashem would accept us. And this is why Yom Kippur follows so closely on Rosh Hashanah and why attaching them is the Aseret Yemei Tshuva. Beautiful, beautiful. Amazing. This was very, very, very enlightening. And uh, we really hope, first of all, we would like to have you on again to discuss other holidays, but especially Sukkot, that's probably my favorite. And I just tell you, Sukkot is like, I would, like my favorite in the whole book not that there's anything like you know all of them are amazing but your your Sukkot piece is something incredible just everything you do there with especially how you conclude with Simchat Torah and the whole landscape of how that happened um but yeah like like Benji said we would uh love to have you on to be able to kind of take us in that journey with you you know uh through all the holidays and how they uh, line up within your vision all right so Daraba be happy to to rejoin you at a, at a future date um and in the meanwhile if you know if your viewers are are interested in kind of getting the lay of the land uh for all the holidays now they can get yep that book on it's, it's a little blurry you can't really see it uh, um, i have a blurry background but i will i will uh, yeah. i'll, I'll yeah, pick up my copy <laughs> randy for god is published by magid press um which is a division of corin should be readily available in Almost any any Jewish Everywhere. bookstore, you can get yeah. it on Amazon, and of course from from Corin directly. So, are you working on any future works? Um, I'm, I'm not not any major works at this point. I'm, but you know, it's like a lot of this came together slowly. I got a piece here, a piece there, and then suddenly it was like the Gestalt took form. <laughs> so, the, you know, I I I hope that you know the things that I'm thinking about these days. That you know, as I, I write a little she or here, a little she or there, that they will somehow come together in a way that might be meaningful for other people as well. Thank you so much. Thank we you. really Thank appreciate you. it. And and to you, wow. your families, Thank and you. your communities. Thank you. You too. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Judaism Demystified podcast. We really appreciate all your support and your feedback. If you want to help us grow the podcast, keep spreading the word, share it with your friends, family, or whoever you think would be interested. We also opened a Patreon, so you can become a patron, contribute any small amount you'd like, which would really help us grow the show. Um, our Patreon is www.patreon.com slash judaism pretty easy to remember 
Thank you again, and we hope to keep putting out great shows for you guys. Thank you.